Hello, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition Podcast. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion, a sermon from another Wells sister church. If you enjoy what you've heard today, you might also enjoy our weekday devotions, which you will automatically get if you subscribe to this podcast. Additionally, you might consider sharing with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in the same podcast app that you're listening to right now. I've tried to make the link obvious. Let me know if it isn't at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. Share it because it's studying the Word of God, and faith in Jesus and His perfect life, death, and resurrection comes by hearing the Word. And salvation comes to us by faith in Jesus alone. Why would you not tell everyone? Today's sermon is titled, Faith is True Security, and is based on Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abram's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, A great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Now let's join Pastor Zamzow for this week's sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, to whom all the prophets, Moses and all the prophets, wrote about, Amen. This morning, we have yet another difficult, challenging parable in front of us. If you were here last Sunday, we had the parable of the shrewd manager. Um, yet another, uh, another difficult parable, but one thing to remember, uh, as we talked about last week, that every single parable that Jesus preached and taught has one main point. It has one poignant thing that there is to cling to. One lesson to be taught. And so this morning, there's lots of details in this story that Jesus gives and lots of things that we might get hung up on. But there is but one point. Uh, and to help us get there this morning, I, I figured I'd kind of open up with, uh, with another parable of sorts. A parable to explain a parable. I guess we'll see how this goes. Um, 
True story. Uh, a while back in the news, uh, maybe some of you saw this or heard something similar. Um, there was a, a boy who was about 10 years old, and he got off the bus from school, and then he went missing for three days. Uh, the last person to see him was the bus driver, um, and when his parents came back uh, home um, and, and they, they, they got to the house after they got done with work, uh, they walked inside, and the boy was gone. So the police got involved, and they asked the bus driver, and the bus driver gave his testimony, and he said uh, the last thing he saw was, was this boy run down the bus steps and greet the family dog in front of the garage. And that was the last anybody saw of him. Um, spoiler alert, they found him. About three days later, they found the boy and his dog um, sitting out in the woods um, by a stream uh, kind of underneath a log, uh, and the kid was tired and he was malnourished, um, kind of suffering from, from the effects of being exposed to the elements. Um, and the, the whole community had gathered around and they combed every inch and, and thank the Lord they found this, this boy and they returned him back to his parents. So they asked the, the, the boy, what were you doing? Uh, what, what happened that, that you went off and, and, and this happened? He said, well, I, I uh, got off the, the bus from school and Fritz, the family dog, came running out to me and I thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we went out and, and had a, a little camping trip, just me and the family dog? So the kid went in the house and he grabbed some snacks and a bottle of water um, and he took the dog and they went off traipsing through the woods. And they eventually had just misplaced their way. They had gotten lost. Um, and part of it was that this boy found his sense of security in the dog. Well, Fritz knows the way home. Fritz can protect me from dangers if they come my way. But the dog is a false sense of security, isn't he? I mean, what if there's some big predator that comes along and the, the, boy is un, or the dog is able to fend it off or to scare it away? What if the, the boy, out of curiosity, eats something and gets sick and he's unable to call out for help? What if uh, some stranger comes through the woods and finds this, this child and abducts him? The kid is in real danger. The dog is a false sense of security. As cute as that might be, a boy and his dog, the child was in real danger and would not truly be safe until he was in his father's house. Think about that in the context of the parable that we've got going on in front of us this morning. Jesus is preaching and teaching and he's talking to his his disciples, yes, but the main ones he's addressing in this is the Pharisees that are around him. And what he wants to draw out is that the things, it's the theme of our worship service for today, really, the things that seem to help in life fail in death, and what seems to fail in death, uh, excuse me, what, what seems to fail in life actually helps in death. So he tells this parable about this Rich man and Lazarus. And the first example he gives is this rich man. And he says there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every single day. Literally, in the original, it's that he was always dressed 
in, in finery. He was always dining in, in, in the, on the best food. He was always living in luxury. And by all accounts, you know, we drop ourselves into this parable and see it. I mean, this draw a modern day equivalent. Who is this guy? Uh, is this successful business person or artist or musician um, or inventor? Uh, the, the, the person who we might look at uh, in the eyes of society and say, that fellow did something right. He was creative or he was crafty or he struck so many deals uh, and, and he, he worked his way up to the top and now he's got money coming out the ears and even if he quit today, even if he quit today, he could still live comfortably for the rest of his life because he's what? He's secure. On the other hand, in contrast, Jesus gives us Lazarus. This poor man, the exact opposite, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. He's always begging. He's always sick. He's always got these, these hounds around him licking the pus out of his wounds. A gross, disgusting thought. A stark contrast to the rich man. The kind of person that we might look at in society and say, man, how in the world did you get there? What happened? I had that exact same thought this past week. I was down at the park with my, with my family and I turned and I looked towards the shore of Lake Bemidji and I saw there, I was probably 75, 50 yards away or so, and I saw this man um, curled up underneath a tree. And even though I was that far away, I could tell. Um, his clothes were dirty. He was shabby looking. There was leaves and stuff in his hair. He had a bandage and a cut across his face. Um, and I, he was so still and so frail. Um, it, it, it made me want to go over there and check for a pulse. But he got up eventually and he walked away. But I had that thought. You know, this is like a modern day Lazarus kind of guy. Somebody that you might look at and say, man, how did you get there? Man, you should get a job. You should work for something. You got no health. You got no roof over your head. You got no money. You have no security. The contrast of people that Jesus paints for today between the rich man and Lazarus is just that. On the one hand, you have somebody who is secure and you have the other one who is most definitely not. And Jesus sets it up this way to draw us to His main point. Where's the, man, the, where's the rich man's sense of security? Well, of course, it's in his wealth. It's in his ability. It's in his, his ability to strike a deal, to be clever and to be crafty with his money, his intelligence. All the things that seem to quote-unquote help in life but things that are of absolutely no help in death because you can't take any of that with you. They're a false sense of security just like that boy's dog. Uh, again, on the other hand, you've got Lazarus who has nothing. And you know, it dawned on me uh, as I read this and was pre preparing for this week that in this, in this parable, it, this parable is not called the parable of the rich man and the poor man. It's the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. 
Jesus names Lazarus here for a reason. Lazarus is from the Hebrew word Eleazar, which means God is help. God is help. This poor man, though he was a beggar, though he was a beggar, his name means God is help. And as Lazarus was in life, so he was in death. As he had his hand up, waiting for food for that rich man's, uh, from the rich man's table, waiting on his mercy. So in death, Lazarus held up that shaking hand of faith, and God filled it. God filled his weak, shaking hand of faith, and he put into it the faith of his fathers. He put into it the, the word of God spoken by Moses and the prophets. And Moses and the prophets all wrote about and pointed ahead to whom? Jesus. So Lazarus there is, is filled with the Holy Spirit and he has that faith. God gives him that security. God shows in this, Jesus shows us in this picture that the things that seem to help in life are of absolutely no help in death. And this is Jesus' main point. The main point that He wants to drive us to in this parable is that faith is real security. Listen again to this section. He says, I, uh, this is the, the rich man crying out from the bowels of hell. He says, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Even from the pit of hell in agony, this rich man's idea of security is still on all the things that helped him in life. What's he trying to do here? He's trying to strike a deal. He's trying to strike a bargain. He's trying to argue. He's got the gall to argue with Father Abraham even though he's in hell. He still thinks he can command Lazarus around like one of his servants as he did in life. He's still relying on the false sense of security even though now the judgment has happened and it's done and over with. And as I think about that and I think about the picture that the Lord Jesus gives us here of this man crying out from the depths of hell who's in such misery that even one drop of water would quell his agony a little bit. I think to myself, man... I'm really happy that's not me. And I wouldn't wish that fate on anybody. That eternal punishment and eternal damnation in the fire of hell. Eternal agony with no, be with no end. Without stopping. And I think about that and I say, man, I'm glad that that's not me. But then I look at myself I examine my sinful heart as we all ought to. 
And are we not often just as inwardly bent as that rich man? Don't we often find ourselves relying on and putting our hope in, our trust in the things of this world? All the false senses of security that are around us. Don't we often find ourselves relying on our own abilities? On our own money? And we might not be living the lifestyle of the rich and famous. Like the rich guy in the parable is. But our lives are fairly comfortable as it is. And if somebody were to take that away from us, what would we do? We would probably freak out. We would probably get worried. We'd probably get angry because somebody took our security. We have minds even that partially agree as to see the depths of our own sinful nature. Some of our, our, our minds even partially agree with this rich man in hell. Don't they? Just send somebody back from the dead. If somebody comes back from the dead, that'll be good enough, won't it? If somebody comes rising from the grave like right now and walks in here and says, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do, that would be enough, right? That would be good. We, we, that's how our minds work. We want that empirical evidence. The thing that we can touch and taste and see and smell and say, yep, look at it. That's real. That's security. That's something that I can put my hope in. But when did Jesus say this parable? And this is kind of critical. Jesus ends this parable by saying they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. If they don't believe, they, they, they won't believe even if somebody rises from the dead. We might think, really? Literally in just a couple of days, Jesus is going to not raise a fictional character named Lazarus from the dead. He's going to raise a real person named Lazarus from the dead. And what happened after that? Were all the Pharisees instantaneously converted? Nope. In fact, they tried all the harder to kill Lazarus and Jesus and to tarnish his name and his reputation of both of them. And then shortly after that, Jesus himself would rise from the dead. And what happens? Is there mass conversions? Nope. But rather, these very Pharisees to whom Jesus spoke this parable tried to pay hush money to the guards that saw the stone rolled away and the angels that struck them down as though they were dead. Our sinful natures are a, a, a fickle creature. And our sinful natures is without question very similar to the rich man that is in hell. It wants, it wants that, that solid thing that it can put its hand on and say that's real. Our sinful nature is the thing that looks at faith and says, that's kind of silly. Our sinful nature looks around at the world and finds security in all sorts of things. But faith is real security. 
Faith in Christ is real security. I'm not talking about the faith that that uh, that general concept of faith, like oh yeah, you just got to have faith and you'll get through your week. You got to have faith, you'll get through the month or or your bad day. I mean faith in God, faith in Scripture, faith in what Moses and the prophets wrote as they pointed ahead to Christ. All the Bible. Every single page of it points to Jesus as our Redeemer and our Savior, the one who forgives sins and gives eternal life. And we have that shaking hand of faith that reaches out like a beggar like Lazarus. He's often weak and troubled or complacent or doesn't trust but it's into that shaking hand of faith that God has given you and me, Jesus. That He's delivered us His Word, His promises. Every single promise in the book of, uh, of the Bible. The forgiveness of sins. That we are at peace with God both now and forever. And so we will have eternal life. We will dwell in our Father's house. God fills that shaking hand of faith with His promises in the Word that just as surely as He pointed ahead and sent Jesus to save the world from sin, that surely He will come again to take us all to be with Him. That surely that when we shut our eyes in death, we will never really perish, but we will have eternal life in Him. Faith in God's Word runs contrary to everything in this world. Faith defies all this world calls security. We can't take any of the things that this world calls security with us. But we do have faith. And faith in God's promises to us through the Scriptures are not a false sense of security. They are the most secure thing we have. When all the false security of this world falls away and we're left with nothing but faith, that faith tells you this. It tells you that all your sins, all of mine, the ocean of them, all compiled and bound together are not as deep or as wide or as valuable as one single drop of Jesus' holy, precious blood. Faith tells us that when we shut our eyes in death, that we will be born to heaven by angels. And we will be raised in the honor of those great servants of Scripture. We will sit alongside people like Abraham. Scripture tells us that faith that we cling to in God's Word tells us that we will shine like the stars for all eternity to the eternal envy of those who are in hell. It tells us that we are numbered with God's most honored servants. It tells us that we get to sit alongside of our Savior Jesus at His table. Important for faith today as we come before the Lord's table and we receive His true body and His true blood, and He is here, and He is sacramentally present with us. In the same way that He sat at the end of the table on that very night that He was betrayed. Your faith tells you that this is a foretaste of that meal, that wedding feast of the Lamb in heaven. And that as we eat and drink it here, Christ is here with us as He will be with us in eternity. Faith in Christ is not like a false is not the false sense of security like that boy's dog. Rather, faith in Christ is the realistic thing. 
It shows us that all the things in this world will fall away eventually. That all the things in this world are a false sense of security. And that we won't truly be safe. We won't truly be secure until we shut our eyes in death and abandon all this and sit in our Father's house safe and secure. Amen. That's all there is for today, but we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this Monday through Friday and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidji.org.